chapter. We're going to look at the first six verses of James chapter 3 and uh, kind of breaking this chapter up a little bit. James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in, the wor in word, the same is a perfect man, and they will also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And let's pray, Lord. Again, we praise you and thank you for time to be together, a place to meet. We certainly thank you for the word of God that you've given to us, a more sure word of prophecy, uh, the Bible that we can, we can trust and believe in, and not ever have to worry about it being proved wrong. Thank you for the truths that you've, you've packed into this book. And, and Lord, help us now tonight to learn some of these, and not just to be hearers only, but doers of the word, that the word would make a difference in our hearts and in our lives, in our actions, in our activities. Give me that strength of voice I need, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this, The Dangers of the Tongue. The Dangers of the Tongue. And uh, chapter 3 in the book of James is the chapter on the tongue, and uh, James deals extensively with it. Now, the power of speech is one of the greatest powers God has given to us. With the tongue, man can praise God, pray, preach the word, and lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege it is that God's given us, given us that opportunity. But we need to remember, we need to realize that with the same tongue, we can tell lies that will ruin a man's reputation or break a person's heart. The ability to speak words is the ability to influence others and accomplish tremendous tasks. In order to impress upon us the importance of a controlled tongue and the great consequences of our words, James in this one chapter gives six different pictures of the tongue. He talks about the tongue as the bit, the rudder, a fire, a poisonous animal, a and a fig tree. And this evening we want to look at the first three of these pictures that James offers us. Now the first thing we see in this chapter is a word of caution. There's a warning given in, in verse 1, my brethren be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, what he's basically saying is, don't seek to be a teacher. Master means teacher as it's used here. And the reason for this warning is this. Believers ought not to seek a position of responsibility without first counting the cost 
It shouldn't be taken lightly. Any responsibility given in the, in the local church for the Lord is very important. You know, this morning we had Sunday school classes, we had nursery workers, we had ushers, we had people on the instruments, we had people doing things all over the, the, the grounds here. And every one of those things that they were doing was important. Hmm. And without them, we couldn't function. So we have many members in our body. All the members are important. But uh, taking the responsibility of being a leader or a teacher um, is, is something that you really need, to, really need to pray about, and you really need to realize the cost. Now, you say, what, what kind of cost are you ta talking about? Well, when you're in leadership, you're judged by a stricter standard. Hmm? Now, we take a lot of heat because we still have standards for our Sunday school teachers, our children's church workers, etc. We believe if you're going to be in leadership, you, you, need, to, you need to live a higher standard than, 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 than people not in leadership. Uh, and we've we practiced that uh, from the time I came here until today. And uh, as I say, sometimes people get upset with that. They don't understand it. But when you're in that leadership position, you're influencing other people. And you've got to influence them, influence them in the right way. Stricter standard. And uh, listen, there's some other parts of that stricter standards thing. Uh, you know, we're... We're going to be judged, if you will, on what we teach. You Sunday school teachers, you're going to be judged on what you teach. Children's church workers, you're going to be judged on what you teach. And I, I carry that responsibility. I'm going to be judged on what I teach. Hmm. Better make sure we got the truth. Mm -hmm. And then for how we teach. Are we giving it our all? Are we doing the, the best with what we have? And, and uh, are, are we taking it seriously? Listen, I know we don't have a big Sunday school nowadays. We have had in the past. But right now our numbers are down a little bit. But listen, you may only have one or two kids in your Sunday school class. They're important. Hmm? They're just as important as if you had 30. And we need to treat them that way. I remember uh, Brother Miller remarked to me the one time, he invited me down to preach in their college, and he said, I'd like to have you come because when you come, you preach to our students like, like they were a great big student body, and they maybe only had 10, 15 people. Well, the number of people we're preaching to really shouldn't affect the fact or the message that we bring. Amen? And so I know, I know it's, I got to watch how I phrase this. It's, it's, I want to say more fun, but it's not really fun. Uh, it seems like it's more rewarding if we get to preach and teach to a bunch of people. Um, but that's not always what God has for us. So no matter how many, it's important if you're a teacher, what you teach and how you teach. The more of the word we know, the more responsible we are to live what we know. Hmm? To whom much is given, much is required. So the more the word we know, the more we should be walking in that, in that, in that knowledge and, uh, and that leadership. The more we teach, 
the written word, the more like the living word we should become. I thought that was a great statement. The more of the written word that we know, the more of the living word we should become. Hmm, more like the living word. Teachers are under a special obligation not only to practice what they preach, but also to ensure that what they preach is true. Teachers will be held accountable, and James is letting us know that. He's, he's saying that's a serious situation there, to want to be a, be a teacher. Leadership entails responsibility, and responsibility entails accountability. And uh, if you're one of our teachers in our church here, you're accountable. You're accountable to me. If I hear that there's something crazy going on in your Sunday school class or that you're teaching something that isn't doctrinally sound, I'm going to, I'm going to address the issue. You're accountable. And you're accountable to the Lord. Hmm? And that means we should always give him our best. Leadership entails responsibility. Responsibility entails accountability. And then in verse 2, we see a reality mentioned there. He says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Hmm. For in many things we offend all. I guess you get the, the idea of that statement. He's saying every one of us offends people. Now, I hope you don't do that intentionally. Some people do. Some people just think they were put on earth to offend people. But even if we don't try to do that, from time to time we will offend people. Maybe they take something we say the wrong way. Maybe we say something we shouldn't have said to them. But see, every one of us is guilty of offending people at some time or another. You know, I, I, I've asked this question oftentimes, uh, are you perfect? No. As I said, you do offend people just like uh, people offend you. Psalm 165, or 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Hmm. So there's a two-sided coin there. The one side is you're going to get offended. People are going to do things that will offend you. The other side of the coin is if you're really spiritual, you shouldn't let things offend you. Amen? So he's talking there about this idea of, of being perfect, if you will, or or completely mature, and uh, the only person who ever uh, misused, who never misused his tongue was the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read you a quote. Looking back on that experience, James pondered the significance of it all. He had, now, now remember, James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He grew up with him in his home. Hmm. So when I say these remarks, keep that in mind that, that James did grow up with Jesus. And uh, looking back on that experience, he pondered the significance of it all. He had never heard Jesus speak a crossword or tell a lie. 
He had never heard him say anything suggestive or vulgar. He had never heard him say anything of which afterward he would have felt ashamed. He never heard him speak angrily in a fit of temper or say anything that called for an apology. On the contrary, everything that Jesus ever said had been wise, loving, kind, and true. James could think of no better definition of perfection. The man who can claim that he never says anything wrong is perfect. Jesus was, was perfect. His control of his tongue demonstrates the fact that he was perfect. And so there is, there is only one who has ever lived and will ever live that, doesn't, uh, that, that, that controls his tongue like he should. Big point number two. So we see a, a word of caution here in verse, verses one and two. But then we get on to verse three. And it says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. So now he's going to give illustrations of little things that control big things. And he's illustrating that our tongue is a little thing, but it can, can control us and does control us in a lot of ways. And uh, he brings that out in just a little bit. But he says, uh, he, he uses this, and he talks about those who are able to, to bridle the tongue can bridle the whole body. And then he's illustrating in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. I'm, I'm not a horse person. God bless you if you are. Uh, they're beautiful animals. They're very intelligent animals, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just never got around them much. But I did get around them enough to know that horses have a mind of their own. I remember a fellow one time went to ride horses. Uh, they, they knew a fellow had some horses, so they went to ride his horses. And the next report we got was uh, the guy that went to ride the horses in the hospital. So what happened? Well, he got on the horse and and uh, started to ride the horse, decided he wanted to go back to the barn. Well, the door in the barn wasn't that high, and as the horse went through the door, he carried the guy with him, and he hit his head. Horses have a mind of their own. So we have to, we have to use some way of controlling a horse. And a horse is a pretty big animal. They could be anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. Hmm? And they're muscular. How many of you have ever seen a horse pulling something heavy, really heavy? Boy, you know, they have those uh, horse pulls. It's like tractor pulls, but they hook horses up to extremely heavy weights to see how far they can pull it. And boy, those, those muscles on those horses, you, you just see them and they dig. And, and so they're very powerful animals. And so James seizes on that for an illustration. A horse seeks to satisfy its passions and its appetites. The horse wants to do what comes naturally for a horse. That's why they have to break a horse to ride him. It's not a natural thing for a horse to have a rider on him. Now, we think it is because we've grown up with Hollywood movies where every horse has a rider. But you see, in, in the wild, horses don't have riders. So that's an unnatural thing, and we have to train them for that. Uh, the horse does not and cannot bridle himself. Hmm. The horse cannot control himself. 
He needs somebody from outside of him to bring him under control. Left to himself, he does exactly what comes naturally for a horse. A horse bridled is a horse under control. Now, again, I've been around horses enough to know that you put the bridle on, you put a bit in the horse's mouth. And that's how you control that horse. Pain. Yeah, pain. I wonder how Peter feels about that. Hmm. Pain. When you pull on those reins, it puts pressure on that bit. Hmm? And on the tongue of the horse, and he gets the idea. That's how you control him. But that bit is only maybe this big. And you're going to control this 1,000, 2,000-pound animal, muscular animal that has a mind of its own. But it works. You can do it. So he uses this, this, this illustration from nature, the horse and the bit that we use to control him. And then in verse 4, he goes into a, 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 an illustration from navigation. He says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So now he seizes on another picture, another illustration of something small controlling something large. It's an illustration of navigation. The, what he's talking about here is a ship's rudder controlling the movements of that ship. Now, the rudder is underneath, and it's just a small thing. It's not that big compared to the ship. But it's the, the only thing that determines where that ship's going. And uh, the rudder is much smaller than the ship. It's attached to the steering wheel. And by turning that wheel, the ship is the made, made to go where the helmsman desires for the ship to go. Without a rudder, there is no control. Now, I read something, and, and you know, I, I like history, and I learned something new about Second World War. Uh, in the early days of Second World War, Germany built a battleship that was bigger, stronger, and faster than anything anybody else had. It was called the Bismarck. And they put that battleship in the Atlantic. And that battleship was sent there to interrupt anything flowing to England or to Europe from the United States. And that Bismarck was playing havoc on the merchant marines. It was sinking ships. So Britain decided they had to do something about it. They sent a, a, a battleship out to fight the Bismarck. Uh, the the uh, I'm trying to think of what England calls their ships. HMS Hood went after the Bismarck. And uh, they chased it. They finally found it, engaged in a battle with it, and the Bismarck sunk the Hood. Mm -mm -mm. So they got a bunch of other ships, I mean a big bunch of ships, and they sent all of them at one time to go and find the Bismarck and to sink it. They sent submarines along with those ships. They found the Bismarck, and they engaged in battle. One of those submarines launched a torpedo. When it hit the Bismarck, apparently it didn't explode, but it lodged in the rudder. They couldn't steer the ship anymore, and all the ship would do was go in circles. And that allowed those other ships of Britain to sink the Bismarck. That rudder is very important. And see, so is our tongue. 
very important. That's the point James wants us to understand. This thing is dangerous, and this thing needs to be under control. And when it's not under control, bad things can happen. Little things can have great power and influence and actions. As I said, a horse, several times bigger, we control them with a small bit. Ship, several times bigger, we control it with a little, little rudder. Now, James gives us these illustrations because he wants us to understand our bodies are much bigger than our tongues, but the tongue can control our body for good or for bad. Here's, a, here's an illustration. Somebody makes an unguarded statement. They end up in a fight. Uh, the person has, what's happened is they've said something they shouldn't have said. They end up in a fight, and their tongue has caused them to be in that fight. The tongue can have an influence on what we do, and we need to be careful about it. So there's a word of caution, and then there's a power of little things illustrated. And then in verses 5 and 6, we find the devastation little things can cause. He says in verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. He's saying it has great power. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So now he seizes on yet another picture to illustrate uh, how powerful this tongue can be. That statement is interesting. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a little member that can cause great destruction. A fire can begin with a small spark, and it can grow to destroy a whole city. Was it this year or last, late last? No, it was this year. The fires in California. Remember how it burnt that whole town? That all started someplace, somehow, with one little spark. Destroy a whole town. I read about the Chicago fire back in 1871. And uh, the fire started and burned Chicago. Now, remember, in those days, they used a lot of wood to build. And they didn't, they didn't have sprinkler systems. So once a fire got going, it was very hard to put it out. They didn't have the modern firefighting equipment. So when that fire struck in 1871, it took, it took down or burned 17,500 buildings. That's a lot of buildings. 100,000 people were left homeless. Uh, how many of you have ever watched a college football game on the television? Okay, most of the colleges would have maybe near 100,000 people in their stadium. Penn State has 108,000 in their stadium. So imagine that many people losing their homes because of a fire. The city of Chicago was devastated. $400 million those day dollars was the, was the cost of that fire. That's a lot of money. And it all started because of a spark somewhere. Hmm. I think it was the San Francisco fire that they said Mrs. O'Leary's cow 
kicked over the, the, the lantern and started the fire of San Francisco, burn up that city. Every year we hear about forest fires and, and uh, how, how many thousands of acres they burn. I guess you're aware right now the rainforest down in Brazil is burning. And they're very concerned about that. They're concerned, number one, uh, because it's burning and our oxygen supply uh, is, is, is connected to the rainforest and their supply of oxygen for us. And then also the loss of that resource. But they're burning and they, you know, they're powerless against it. Just takes a little spark to start a fire. Our words can start fires. Proverbs 26, verses 20 and 21 says this. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Hmm? See, when you start gossiping, you're putting wood on the fire. Hmm? Where there's no wood, when you're not, when you're not gossiping, the fire's going to go out. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Like fire, our words can heat things up. Psalm 39, verse 1, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. Verse 3, my heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Hmm. Somebody said a hot head and a hot heart can lead to burning words that, are later, that we will later regret. Have you ever gotten upset with somebody and said things you shouldn't have said? If you ever did that, raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah, every one of us at some point got so upset and so angry and, and frustrated and irritated that we said things we should have never said. Hmm. Proverbs 29, 11. I love this verse. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Hmm. Sometimes the best thing you can do is shut your big mouth. Hmm? You say, oh, you say I have a big mouth. We all do at times. And the best thing we can do is to hush up. By the way, Proverbs says a lot about silence. Mm -hmm. And I told you before, uh, one thing about silence, when you're, when you're, uh, the only way people know what you're thinking is by what you say. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want people knowing what you're thinking, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Fire is both the most useful and the most dangerous element in nature. Just say that again. Fire is both the most useful and the most dangerous element in nature. When fire is harnessed, it's one of the greatest things we can have. We cook with it. We heat our homes with it. We have all manner of manufacturing uh, goes on using fire. 
And so when it's harnessed, it's a wonderful thing. It's when it's not harnessed that it's, it's a terrible thing. And that's a picture of our tongue. When the tongue is harnessed, it's a wonderful thing. We can edify, we can, we can preach God's word, we can share it. But when it's not under control, it's devastating. Unharnessed, the tongue destroys. We talked about forest fires. We talked about buildings on fire. Fire can maim, fire can burn, scorch, destroy, inflict pain, damage, and kill. Hmm. Well, he goes on there. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Hmm. Of all of the members of our body, the tongue has the greatest potential for evil. Think about that. Our body's made up of a lot of members. The tongue is the most dangerous. The tongue can defile the whole body. A loose tongue renders the whole person useless in the Lord's work. I was thinking about a quote I heard one time. A fellow said, a loose tongue can cause loose teeth. Truth in that. When James says that it defiles, defiles means to spot or to stain. And James uses the word to underline the defiling effects of an e of evil use of the tongue. In the latter part of verse 6, he tells us the untamed tongue is devilish. He says it is set on fire of hell. Some of the lies that the tongue tells are diabolically wicked. Some of the language the tongue uses is so wicked, it can be attributed only to the activity of evil spirits. You realize misuse of the tongue can destroy a person? Hmm? I've told the story before about the lady that didn't like the preacher, so she started rumors about him. And she spread those rumors all over town. And pretty soon the church was dwindling and, and uh, the pastor had to get a full-time job and everything because they couldn't pay him. And, and things were really bad for him. And it went on for a couple of years. And then one day this woman came to the preacher's house, knocked on his door. When he answered, she said, I want to apologize. I started those rumors and they were just rumors and lies. I want you to forgive me. And the preacher said, well, I can forgive you, but I want you to do something. He went back in his house, and he came out. He had a pillow. He took a knife, and he cut that pillow, and the feathers came out. And they started going everywhere. You ever do that? You ever break a pillow open? This younger generation don't know about feathers and pillows. You're ruining my illustration. All they know is foam. But seriously, 
uh, he took a knife, he opened that pillow up, and he started throwing the feathers up in the wind. They were blowing everywhere. When he got the pillowcase all empty and all the feathers were gone, he said, now, I want you to take this pillowcase and gather up all those feathers. She said, I can't do that. He said, nor can you erase what damage you've done. We need to be careful how we use this thing. Hmm? And so often we're guilty of misusing it. We don't ever forget this. What comes out of your mouth indicates what's in your heart. Hmm? Now, we're talking about an uncontrolled tongue and the dangers of an uncontrolled tongue. And uh, we're, we're going to, not tonight, but we're going to talk about how do we get this tongue under control. Hmm. We're going to see the fact that you can't, you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? You can't do that. James deals with that idea. The only one that can do that is the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. See, when you start saying the wrong things to people, you're in the flesh. Remember Galatians 5, James says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not, for, we will not uh, commit the sins of the flesh. So we need to understand that. And if you find yourself saying the wrong things to people, what do you better understand? You're not walking in the Spirit. You're in the flesh. It can be in anger. It can be in vengeance. It can be in wrong things said to benefit you in some illicit way. Let me rephrase that. Flirtations, that's a misuse of the tongue. And regardless whether it's, a de it's something that would, would cause harm or whether it's something that, that you're, you're, you're trying to influence people, we better be careful what we say and how we say it. And you know, we're in a dangerous time right now because all it takes to ruin somebody is an accusation. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. Just the accusation is enough. And uh, that's, a, that's a serious matter. And so we have to be careful and, and really uh, diligent about making sure before we make any kind of accusation. Hmm. Many a person has had their career ruined by a false accusation. And, you know, you can be vindicated. You can prove that you're innocent, that, that it, you never did whatever you were accused of doing, but it doesn't erase the fact in a lot of people's minds. Hmm? So we need to be very careful about what we say and how we say it. Now, we're not going to go any further in James tonight. We're going to pick that up next time. But the tongue has great potential for good and for bad. And we need to be diligent in keeping our tongues under the power of the Holy Spirit, lest we allow it to, to steer us in the wrong direction. Oftentimes what we say leads us, our bodies, to places we shouldn't go and things we shouldn't do.
because of our tongue. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for James and how you used him to bend the, pen these verses for us that we might understand the dangers of the tongue. And it is dangerous. It does have great power. And help us to realize that and help us to purpose in our heart that we want our tongue to be harnessed. We want our tongue to be controlled. And the only way that's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to see the need to be walking in the Spirit, lest we fulfill the desires of the flesh, lest we say things we shouldn't say, lest we gossip when we shouldn't, shouldn't be talking about people, lest, lest we say the wrong kinds of words that we would allow to come out of our mouths. God, help us. Help us to control our tongue. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.